Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, God is on the move, One Church. The purchase of the building at 79 Sheep Davis Road in Pembroke, New Hampshire is an excited provision. Last week, we had our first worship nights in the space. And in the coming weeks, this building will become our conquered outpost. It's the right time, the right building, the right cost, and the right church. To give to the Concord campaign, visit church.one. Let's go. In at number four, last Wednesday, our Manchester Outpost welcomed Light of Life Ministries for their Light Her Life breakfast. Light of Life is one of our community partners in Manchester, providing shelter and support for women who have experienced homelessness and abuse. There was live music, delicious food, and powerful testimony of God's life-changing love. High five, you guys, to more times like these. Here at number three, our staff celebrated Thanksgiving with a big potluck lunch this past week, and it was a sweet time together celebrating what God is doing across all of our outposts. High five to all he'll continue to do. In at number two, over the month of November, outposts across One Church collected over 700 Thanksgiving meals that will be given out to families across New Hampshire and Vermont. Way to be the church, church. We're so excited for more ways like this to share God's love this holiday season. And finally, up at number one, last Tuesday at our Manchester outpost, Sean, Samantha, Aaron, Gabriel, and Baron were baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of their faith in Jesus, and we're all celebrating that with them today. High five, you guys. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. All right, pop quiz, maybe not so pop quiz, and you're like, Luke, it's too early for a pop quiz. All right, what are you doing? What is happening on Thursday? Thank you, Phil. You seem really excited about it. <laughs> Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is happening on Thursday. I love Thanksgiving because I really enjoy the food. And you got to go, you got to go and have all the food. You got to sample all the food. And usually it's pretty good food. But I think we all have that friend or relative that keeps making the same thing because everyone is just a little bit too nice to say, yeah, it's not that good. <laughs> no one wants to say, hey, maybe stop making it. I kid you not, Franklin, there was, I don't know what extended relative this was, but every Thanksgiving on my dad's side, there would be this mysterious bowl of green jello. And you think green jello is not bad. It had some sort of like foamy cottage cheese on it with cucumbers, and my little kid brain remembers there being green peppers inside of this jello. It is not good. But my brother and I were raised in such a way that you gotta try everything. If you, whatever you put on your plate, you gotta finish, or you at least gotta make it look like you finished it. You don't wanna be rude. You gotta at least try it out. I had a friend share a story with me this past week. They had a friend over for a, for a family meal. So it was, it was his friend that from, through work, he was bringing him over to his parents' house and the mom cooked this ginormous dinner. She went all out. She wanted this to be a special meal for her son and her son's coworkers. So she labored over this food and sort of the, to top it all off, what was gonna be the main thing, the main thing to be excited for was this dessert that took her all day to make. And dessert wasn't really her thing, so it was a pretty big deal that she tried it out, this cake, whatever it was. So dinner wraps up, cleaning up the table. When it comes dessert time, she's passing out the pieces of cake and gets to the friend, the guest at the table, and she says, would you like some dessert? 
And his response was, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, oh, you don't do that. Oh, that's, that's for it. But her response was even better. Her response to nah, I'm good was, well, who told you that? <laughs> who told you that? Do we ever feel like we're good? We often think that we're good, but often we think we're good based on maybe someone else's viewpoint, something else, someone that, so, something that someone else has told us in the past, but we got to at least try it. We got to at least try it out. Maybe there's a food that's in your life now that when you were a kid, you didn't like it. Maybe if I tried the green jello now, I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we kind of grow in these different ways. We got to at least try it out. And our memory verse focuses on that too, where God's inviting us to just say, hey, try me out. Taste and see, just give it a go. I have so much more for you in this life if you taste and see that the Lord is good. So our memory verse is Psalm chapter 34, verse eight. It's up on the screen behind me. Let's read it together this morning. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You ever take the approach with God of, nah, I'm good. Nah, I'm good. God might be calling you into something more in life, but your response is, nah, I'm good. Here's why that doesn't fly is because God is never changing, but ever revealing. Meaning he's never gonna change. The character of God is set in stone. He is who he is, and there's that hope and trust in that. But he is ever revealing, meaning there's always something more to learn about God. God might be calling you into something more. So this response of, nah, I'm good. Well, who told you that? Maybe our response to with, nah, I'm good is a response to the idea of baptism. We celebrate it every single week. And you're like, man, I, I feel like God might be calling me into that, but I, I see it on the high five and I'm like, what's, what's the big deal? People are going underwater and then they're coming back up. So it's like, nah, I'm good. Maybe it's diving deeper into scripture trying to have that discipline of spending that time with God and his word. And, and I get it. Maybe you started off your, your journey with reading through the Bible. Maybe you turned to Leviticus and it started with, how deserted lies the city once so full of people. And you're like, whoa, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. But God's might be calling you to more. Maybe it's through prayer. It's tough. We might not know where to start with praying, but really it's just this opportunity to have a, a conversation with God, to listen to him, listen to his will and what he has for you. Maybe it's through our relationships. We think some are dead. We think God is done with them, but no, he's got more for you. Maybe our response with nah, I'm good comes up when we talk about our finances, with giving, with this idea of tithing. It gets brought up in church and we think, nah, I'm, I'm good. The newsflash for all of us is we are all already tithing. You may be thinking like, what? I didn't know. I didn't know. But here's what's happening is it's all percentage based. So you're going to give a, a percentage. It's either zero or 100. We are all falling somewhere on that scale. And God might be calling you to more. But it's this opportunity for that conversation with God of like, God, man, are we good? God, not am, am I'm good. God, are, are we good? Am I given what? what you've called me to give and have the courage to then give it? Or is our response to that conversation just, nah, I'm good? Uh, who told you that? Now, we've been going through the series of The Sweet Life. 
and kind of using this, this fun thing of just, you know, candy bars to talk about this conversation of, of giving and of tithing. And today we are landing on the, didn't know that you could buy them this size, Mr. Goodbar from Hershey. I've only ever seen it in the assorted packs right there. And when we look at Mr. Goodbar, we can start with the saying that giving is for you, mister. Giving is for you, mister. And I think we, uh, we don't really use that phrase anymore. Hey, mister. Listen up here, mister. You see it in a lot of old-timey movies? You're like, right? and, and since Christmas is around the corner after Thanksgiving, that's when some of the old-timey movies come out. It's all this like, hey, mister. Listen up, mister. I got something to say to you, mister. Perk up your ears. Here's an important thing for you to know and to understand. Giving is for you, mister. We're in the book of 2 Corinthians today. And it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to this early church in Corinth. And he's talking to them about giving because he's trying to do some fundraising for a different church in Jerusalem. And Corinth is like, yeah, 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 put us down for this number. And that gift has not come in yet. And then Paul is writing to them to be like, hey, do you remember this? But currently their response is like, nah, I'm good. So he's writing them for this. We'll dive into it a little bit more. We're in 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul's writing to that church in Corinth reminding them of, of this promise that they made, what they said that they would put out there. And it can seem like Paul is nagging, like he's someone with a collection agency. <laughs> like, hey, remember you said that you were gonna pay this. Come on, time to pay up. No, Paul's writing out a love for them. We might hear that and think like, oh man, how, how does that work? How is this conversation about money than also be a conversation out of love. And it's because Paul is saying, listen, you've already declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have already put aside these ways, these shackles of being tied down to the love of money. Don't go back to that, is what he's saying. God has so much more for you. So listen up here, mister. He says, you reap what you sow. Come the harvest, you're going to get back whatever you put in. This section of scripture right here might be where some people start to tighten up a little bit. I think this has been used in other passages about giving. Because you might expect the next thing for me to say to be like, yeah, you're going to reap what you sow, so you better give everything. Man, we want a bountiful harvest. Let's go put everything that you have. Sell all your goods. And people are sitting there being like, listen, uh, like I got bills. Uh, <laughs> I got taxes that are going to come out. Like, how, how am I supposed to do that? But then Paul, he isn't going at it that way. He's not going about it that way. Because what he says next is, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So my next question is, what's your heart focused on? And we throw around that 
the word heart a lot and just think of like, oh yeah, what's your heart telling you? Are you following your heart? Are you listening to your heart? So what do we mean by that? Referencing the heart, we're thinking about our emotions, our reasoning, and our will. What are our emotions, our reasoning, and our will focused on? At one church, we, we hope that it's about expanding the kingdom of God, about sharing God's love with one person. That's why we pray for one every day. We ask you to pray for one. God, please give me one person to share your love with. And that prayer's gonna be transformational. It's gonna transform you in, in an amazing way where you are no longer gonna pursue your will and your desires and your emotions, but instead it's lining up our heart with the heart of God, our will with the will of God. So then once we know that and we know what path our heart is on, we can then pray, God, show me what to give and give me the courage to give it. Because now we're focusing on that state of our heart and where we are. We want what God wants. We want more people in the kingdom in the shortest time. We want more people to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And we want those people to know God because that is what people want. Deep down, that's what people want. People want to know God. People have a longing and a desire to know that there's something more to this life. People want to know God. So that's our mission. So then when we pray, God, please show me what to give and give me the courage to give it, he's gonna lay something on your heart. He's gonna lay the answer to that prayer on your heart. So now there, there's no arm twisting. There's no negotiation. There's no reluctantly. It's saying, hey, God showed me this amount and boy, oh boy, I'm excited to give it. I have this courage to give it. So instead, if our response is to giving is, yeah, I'm good, my follow-up question is gonna be, who told you that? My response is, who told you that? But then with this prayer, you can say, God told me. When I ask who told you that, there's no arm pulling, there's no arm twisting, there's nothing like that. It's not out of anger or, or, or malice or shakedown or anything. Who told you that? And say, well, God did, then fantastic. Because it's our heart lining up with God's heart. It's God answering that prayer that we get to give cheerfully to God whatever he's put on our heart. See, giving is for you, mister, and giving is good. Giving is for you, mister, and giving is good. The gift of giving this, of, of this idea of tithing, 10%, first fruit of our labors right off the top is good news. So if we are feeling anything that resembles anxiety or stress or worry or anger to this idea of giving, I can promise you that doesn't come from God. So it's this wonderful opportunity to ask God, God, what are you showing me? With my feeling towards this discipline of tithing, what are you, and I'm feeling this anger, what are you showing me? Maybe he's revealing a stronghold that we might have in our heart, this shackle of this burden of the love of money that sometimes we can't avoid. Sometimes we might be born into it. Sometimes through different circumstances, it's a lie that we choose to believe over and over again. Paul continues on to the church that he's writing to. He says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, 
you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It's kind of a bummer that that verse doesn't say that he gives us all that we want, right? Man, that's a bummer. If only God could give us all that we want. But if we're honest with ourselves, I think we might start to realize that that would lead to a pretty hectic world to live in. If we got every single desire that we wanted, why would that start to look pretty hectic? Because I think our, uh, our wants and our desires change. They change based on our circumstances. We don't always know what we want. We don't know what we want or what we need. We get older, circumstances change, life changes, it's just what happens. So instead, God gives us all that we need to do all that he has called us to do and we are abundantly blessed by God to be a part of his mission. Then we get the opportunity to share those gifts freely as they've been freely given to us. God has given us all that we need to do all he has called us to do. And here's what's going to happen. When our hearts are in line with the mission of God, when we are seeking after this kingdom growth and this kingdom work, we're stepping into righteousness. And the good news is that righteousness endures forever. Your righteousness is going to outlive you. If you don't believe me, think about someone in your life that you might deem as righteous. Someone that is living a godly life, someone that is pursuing godliness, is that person, did they have a positive impact on you? If that person is gone now, you are carrying their righteousness with you this day. Your righteousness will outlive you. And I think the same is true for our generosity. Our generosity will outlive us because we're sending it ahead. There's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than just living out this life and trying to get all that we can while the getting is good. So let's invest in that generosity that's going to go beyond us. And thinking just outside of the future, outside of a world where we are no longer here, think about how generosity affects your day-to-day. Because I promise you, that generosity is going to overflow into other aspects of your life. If you're holding finances loosely, seeing them as a resource to give back to God, then that love of generosity, that desire is going to overflow into other areas. It's going to flow in in patience, in peace, in love, and in kindness. But then the same is true for being stingy, where we don't want to share love, we don't want to share kindness, we don't want to share peace or patience. We try to hold it for ourselves. So instead, here's this opportunity for generosity to transform us in the most amazing way as we continue to get our heart set with the heart of God. So we know that giving is for you, mister. Giving is good. Anyone want to take a guess at what the last point has in that? (laughs) Giving is a chance to raise the bar. Mr. Good. Bar. Yeah, we like to have some fun here. (laughs) Everyone's like, how's that going to work in there? Because it's nuts. 
Mr. Goop, give, giving is a chance to raise the bar. Raise the bar. And I, I love thinking about where that phrase comes from. Raise the bar. Comes from the discipline of track and field with the event of the high jump. Right? You have these athletes that have a bar set at a certain height and they are trying to get over the bar. And what happens once they get over a certain height is they raise the bar and they try again. They get over that one. They keep raising the bar over and over again. It's the same is true for maybe God's calling you into more. Here's an opportunity to raise the bar. Yeah, you can do this, but God might be saying, hey, taste and see. Try this out. Here's an opportunity for you to ask, man, am I good? Maybe if your response is I'm good, God's saying, man, who told you that? Because the bar's up here. Paul finishes out this section in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of service, by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. And for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Here's what happens when we raise the generosity bar. Raising the generosity bar produces a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness reaps righteousness. What we're putting in is gonna be what we get out of it. We talked about that. Now we might start to think that, might start to think pretty small. We can get stuck with thinking small. Maybe you're thinking, man, I'm just one person. How far is my one gift gonna go? If we adopt that same mindset when it comes to sharing God's love and trying to expand the kingdom by praying for one, let's take, let's take that mindset here. Let's, let's think through this. Okay, think about one person in your life that you wanna share God's love with. Can everyone think of one person? And people think of two people, all right? Some might be able to think of five. <laughs> and Thanksgiving, those five people might be at the table, right? Now you think about that. Okay, let's say you have two. Well, already that's expanding. And let's take the amount of people in this room. Let's assume everyone else has two. Now we're really starting to get somewhere. Okay, that's a lot of people that we're gonna start to know. Now let's go outside of just the Franklin Outpost. Let's think about the few thousand people that interact with a one church service every single week. Let's say they have two. Whoa, now we're really starting to cook. See how God is doing so much more than, so much more than we can understand? Then the same is true for, for our giving as well. If we just think that it won't go far. No, 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 step back. Just go ahead and give and watch what God does. What's amazing is that the mission of God is so much greater than one person, 
but one person can have an immense impact on the mission of God. Isn't that a lovely thing? It's a lovely truth that we get to exist in. Raising the generosity bar produces a harvest of righteousness. It also enriches you in every way. It enriches you in every way. I've had a few people come up to me during this sermon series about giving, being like, oh man, that, you know, outside of the one church, um, but they come up, they're like, man, talking about giving is hard, isn't it? Like, no, listen, like, I'm, I'm not up here like begging you for money. I'm not up here trying to twist your arm and, and pull you into something reluctantly. All I'm saying is that this is gonna change your life. Relinquishing the hold, the stronghold of the love of money and, and finances is gonna change your life. And it's gonna enrich you in every way. God's gonna do something. God's gonna do something to work in your heart in this pursuit of righteousness. Raising the generosity bar allows you to be generous on every occasion. Some lie that we sometimes fall into is we think like, okay, well, if I set up, set up money to, to give to the church, then I'm not going to have resources to be generous on, on a whim. If something else comes up and a friend needs some money or whatever it might be. And I just don't think that's the case because as we practice, as we follow the discipline of giving, then, then the practice of generosity just kind of comes naturally because you're already doing it. You're already going through the motions. You're already practicing this gift of giving. That's why it goes against when people are like, oh, you know, I'll give to the church once I win the lottery. It's like, I don't, I, cool, I, I don't think you will. <laughs> and that's okay, like, I just don't think you will. I don't think it's gonna happen because it's not already a practice that is in place. Just more of it isn't gonna make that happen. And finally, raising the generosity bar results in thanksgiving to God. Because we're looking to share the gifts that God has given us. When you're looking for something, when you're seeking it out, it's gonna be easier and easier to find. Because you're looking for it. Next thing you know, you're gonna be looking around and looking to share this gift. And you're like, wow. Thank you, God, for this indescribable gift. What was mentioned on the high five is there's this exciting new chapter in the life of our Concord Outpost. And our Concord Outpost was really instrumental into setting up the Franklin Outpost. A lot of people from there kind of came up and, and started to get things going, get the word out. So I'm just so excited for that church family down there for this opportunity of the new building that they have over at, uh, on Sheep Davis Road. We're gonna be, we have a video here that's gonna go through different testimonies of people that attend that outpost, what one church has meant to them. Uh, I'm just really excited because here's an opportunity to see what happens when we raise the bar. We ask God, show me what to give and give me the courage to give it. So let's check it out. When I think of how exciting it is for new people to come to our church, I think of them being part of Rooted, having opportunities to dedicate their children in the church. Uh, worship nights, it's the fellowship that changes everything and bringing people to be loved, to be more like Jesus. And out in the Concord community, you couldn't make more of a difference. When we graduated from high school, uh, we were called to come back and lead. At first, I just kind of was there, just helping, like being a presence. And uh, this year, I've been able to do a couple of messages for the youth group, and it's been awesome. 
I had like a lot of people like pour their like lives into me but that helped me to kind of just like figure out like what I'm supposed to be doing uh, especially now as I'm being like a full-time leader. The church as a whole has been like a big family. We are adopted into that family and that um, is really important for our family especially as we're adopting. I feel like I'm accepted there and they care about me and us as a family coming to one church I noticed that we're all a lot happier. It's wonderful to see your children start to understand God apart from you. So being able to see them build connections and relationships with other people has helped them to grow. And for us as parents to see our children growing is everything. Our family found restoration coming here in one church. Emma and I both serve with the kids. My wife is on the worship ministry and my uh, older daughter, um, she served with the youth group as well. So not only attending, but we're growing. We felt a unity here in one church. We felt pulling all in the same direction. My husband also became part of our church after being away for 15 years. I was able to be a person that was being close with the Lord and through him watching what our relationships were like through the church, through people connecting back with us, through the church being the people and not the religion, a place of release for him and now he's also serving in church and our journey continues with our daughter. The dedication with her as well as uh, multiple families from Concord and it just feels like our family and our spirit is growing in the Lord at one church. Real power comes when the church comes. And it's so cool to go back to my notebook and I see like, I prayed for one that day. And then God actually answered that prayer. An awesome experience just to pray for one, to like really just be in inviting God into my life. So one person in particular that I had been praying for for years, for four years actually, I brought her to one church and um, she connected with the pastor there started to grow in faith, accepted the Lord, was baptized, and then she started in ministry, and her husband was baptized, and now she's bringing in her ones, and every week or two she's calling me saying, look, 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 my one is getting baptized, and, and it's so exciting to see her enthusiasm and to know that God is using us in our prayer every day. God, please give me one person to share your love with today. On the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about giving. And he says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And people often take that and think like, yeah, you know, you don't want to be boisterous about how you give. But I heard a, a, a pastor dive into it like this. Think of it like you're playing piano. And you're practicing at playing piano and the same thing goes for the practice and the discipline of giving where it becomes so in tune with who you are that one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. You become proficient at piano needing to, to master both hands working up and down the keys where you, one hand doesn't know what the other one is doing. And here's an opportunity for us to dive into that practice of giving. I was going through the Thanksgiving bags this week and uh, I came across uh, one of the, the Feed One tickets and someone put a to-do list on the back. And it's just really, I, I don't know, it touched my heart. And I think it's encouraging for this, this practice of giving, this discipline. On the list, car freshener, question mark. 
Hand soap, we need two of those. Meat and cheese, stop by the car wash, tithe off my bonus. I just thought that was a cool way to end that list. This discipline of not knowing, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We had these commitment cards on the, on the seats as you walked on in. I ask you just to pray the simple prayer. God, show me what to give and give me the courage to give it. If the answer comes from God, then there's no arm twisting, there's nothing going on. But truly pray that prayer, that's all that we ask. With whatever God answers it, see if it's that one-time gift, that one-year commitment, with that big, bold prayer of faith. You can either give these to me or stop them into the, uh, the giving box outside as well. Either way is good. After service, if you've been coming for a little bit and you want to find out more about One Church, welcome you to stop by Get Connected. I ask for anyone that has been to a Get Connected before, if you are willing and able to, to deliver some of those Thanksgiving bags. We got 30 different houses to go to. Everybody gets two bags. We're really excited about that. But go ahead, you can stop in with Will and he can give you more information on that as well. But right now, this is an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to what he is calling us into, to know that he is for you and not against you. And it's why we do it every single week together. This reminder that we are in pursuit of the work of God, his mission and his kingdom. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup, he said, this is my promise to you, my new covenant through my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king. God is moving in mighty ways. Here in the Franklin Outpost, at the Concord Outpost, Bedford, Manchester, Rutland, Brandon, online, God is moving in fantastic ways. I'm excited about it. It's an opportunity every single day to go out and tell people about God. So if you want to find out more about how to, how to get plugged in, love to talk to you, get connected after service. If you have any prayer requests or are struggling through something or just need to be reminded of that truth that God is for you, be happy to pray with you down here. Will and Tammy are here. Love to pray with you. But if today's the day that you're like, no, I'm done. I'm done going after pursuits of myself and my wants and my desires and I'm, I'm getting in line with the will of God. If you want to come into the family of God, accept him as your Lord and Savior. Be baptized into his family. We're prepared to celebrate that with you today. But would you stand with me as I close in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are moving in miraculous ways. We are so thankful, Lord, that you keep calling us into more and more, that you are never changing but ever revealing. There's always something more about you and who you are that we get to discover, and we thank you so much for that, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, for the family that you are bringing together here in Franklin. Lord, we know that this is just the start of the story, that you are using us each and every day to share your love in amazing ways. 
thank you for this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Sing Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever see. You're so worthy. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Sing holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show Every song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Yes, you are worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, oh, we live for you, Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Sing holy. Beside you, open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Oh, Let's declare this out right now. And I will build my life upon your 
this week. Pray for one every single day. Amen. God bless, Franklin.